We welcome back to the show today after way too long of an absence. Terry Canova is here. How are you doing, Terry? And how are things in your world? And I am absolutely great. Um, first off, uh, condolences to you guys. Uh, you know, with the with the passing of the Queen, it um, you know it it's obviously a big thing, but for a U.S. citizen kind of to put it in perspective to us is when you saw all of the pictures with former U.S. president she was with. Mm. I mean, you know, you, you know, she was there a long time, but, but wow. When you see, I guess, 13 or 14 U.S. presidents. Yeah. She I mean, didn't meet a, Lyndon Johnson. I think was the only right. one she didn't meet. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right. So, uh, but anyway, man, I, I know it's been, uh, been a very unique time for you guys and just, uh, you know, hopefully everybody's, Heading, heading in the right direction now there. Yeah, I really appreciate that, Terry. I, 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 didn't, I don't know if we were talking about it at the start of the show. I'm getting I'm getting choked up thinking about it. I mean, we're, we're recording this slightly out of order, so we're, this won't be out until early October because we've got a New Japan show coming up next week. We're recording the 25th of September. But we're just that. We're just uh, you know, six days after the funeral and everything. And it was like the kind of nation's grandmother, like the constant that's not just my life at 40, like my mum's life. My mum can just right. about remember when the Queen came to the throne, but she was eight. So pretty much everyone that's here other than, you know, perhaps people in their 80s and 90s, all they've ever known is the Queen. So it is it is like, um, you know, they were, they were talking about you know, between 250,000, 300,000 people queued up for over 12 hours to see it. I, I, we messaged about it. David Beckham was there for nearly a day. You know, he didn't need to do that. I mean, you know, captain, you know, multi, multi-millionaire, one of the richest guys in the world, most recognised sports people. And that was just what he, she meant. So, yeah, our national anthem's changed. God save the king now. I'm going to, uh, to an England game tonight. I've got to sing that for the first time. It's just very, it's been very, very weird. And now it's like, well, but we're kind of back to normal. I suppose we're out of the period the news has changed back to other things. And it's just like life goes on now, I suppose, really. But yeah, thank you very much, Terry. I really appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, for sure. And and it's just like you said, it's it's been a while, man. Miss talking to you, miss chatting with you. Yes. Uh, miss talking about Mid-South with you. So it's going to be for UWF, should I say. UWF is it. Now, are you off to the Saints this afternoon? Is it Carolina Panthers you've got today? Yes, that that is correct. So today... Uh, we do. I got to run up to school. We're doing our team pictures for our basketball media guide and then heading over to mom and pops and uh, going to watch Saints in Carolina today. Yep. Very nice. And you're one and one at the moment, aren't you? I believe is that right. Right. That yeah, I've done, my, I've done my research. Now, by the time yeah. that this is out, because we're doing, spoiler alert, we're doing three three episodes that are going to be cut up a bit. So you probably be over five weeks, these will be released. Um, but hopefully by the, the last one, you'll be well on the way to Super Bowl. So yeah, fingers, oh, fingers yeah. crossed. Yeah. He's easily four and one by the time uh, people hear this. Oh yeah, fingers, fingers and toes truly crossed. Yeah, so I, I think we were in UWF land the last time that we spoke, but it's just a different promotion. I'm sure you found this by looking at the, you know, watching the TV. It just looks different. It feels different. You know, everything is different. And we'll we'll, we'll go straight into this. Um, so we're going back in our time machine today to October the 25th, 1986. Um, and to start the show, we've got a recap of the devastation incorporated angle from last week before joining Jim Ross along with Terry Taylor. Now, I think I called Terry Taylor a pathetic weasel on the show a few weeks ago. Now, I don't know if that was harsh, but I just think, I don't know whether we'll talk about this and some of his stuff um, during this, but I just, he just comes across as so, like, it's just, he, I said on the show, he's the sort of guy that your daughter would walk all over. And you're almost like, if he was your son, you're like, show some backbone, stand up to her. Like, what are you doing, Terry? And that's, that's what I think. What do you think of him? I think he's just too wet. Well, you know, um, again, 
we 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 removed from this, and we've we've all we've all oh, many of us have lived the red rooster gimmick, and, yeah. and 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 have heard all of the bad things about Terry Taylor behind the scenes and this and that, and so that's that's cemented in the back of our brains. But I, I will honestly say, Stephen, when I was watching this episode, and, and it was one of one of these uh, next couple episodes, we I was I was watching. And you, uh, it, it's hard to explain, but I went back just for a split second. I was kind of taken back as I'm watching this dark video of, of, of Mid-South UWF wrestling and seeing Terry Taylor in the ring. I went back to a, a time when I saw him in the ring live. Mm. And I will say uh, he was over. Yeah, he, he he really he really was over, and, and uh, you know, it, it's just hard to explain. But it 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 kind of took me back, and it kind of made me forget about all of those negative things. I I, I currently think about Terry Taylor from what you hear, uh, and and he he was over, and, and and I was a fan, and and so 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 I guess it doesn't bother me. He doesn't he doesn't grate on me as much as he might you uh, because yeah, of I my memories. From the 80s yeah i liked him a lot in his first run and i and i, and I think you made a really really good point now i wonder if i'm looking at him in, with a more critical eye because i know what comes comes next she's almost looking for why did this guy not get over at high? why did this not work in jim crockett in between the two runs with with watts um yeah. and, and that perhaps that's some of it but yeah i just thought i don't know this kind of wet just be a bit more be a bit more steve austin a little, a little bit less terry taylor here i suppose is what i'm looking for um ross talks about that I'm sorry, Stephen. Remember that Steve Austin is Steve Austin because he was so different than yeah, all that's the right. baby faces before. But Hogan wasn't a wet weekend, was he? Though I think, and nor was Randy Savage. Like, do you think top top no, baby face no. over the next few years? That's they weren't true. like this kind of like softly. Oh, I was really respect everyone, and I just want to do the right thing. It wasn't Hogan was like, I'm going to smash this guy. Like he's done me wrong. Like he's he's done this. He's done that. I was, yeah, I don't know. I think maybe maybe that was some of it. This kind of nice guy act, I think, was a little bit crazy. Though, interestingly, and this is a while back now, there was a match on TV, probably early UWF runs. What would that have been? Early 86, where he and him and Jake Roberts had a match. And obviously, two, babyface, babyface. And um, he was really, Taylor was really booed. It was like one of those, like, you know, like John Cena type reactions when he was yeah. booed in a town, which was really interesting. But there's kind of, it's just kind of moved away from that. And he gets decent reactions, but not, not the Irish McNeil Boys Club reactions of, um, you know, a few years back. Um, Ross talks about Savannah Jack standing up for himself last week and in the country whipping match. Um, they also gave an update on Ted DiBiase's condition and said we'd not be missing any matches, albeit they were both very concerned that the Freebirds had possessions of DiBiase's uh, glove, basically. So the infamous glove that was now no longer in the hands of Ted DiBiase. Um, there will be three title matches on the show this week. And first up, the television title with Ken Massey challenging Freebird Buddy Roberts. And what uh, Massey had done to earn this title shot, I don't really know. Uh, Roberts had a lovely jacket on with a sparkling silver sequin back and pink arms. What did you make of this jacket? Sparkly. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? <laughs> what, a, what a jacket. I mean, unfortunately, this jacket was a bit, bit better. I'm not a massive fan of Buddy Roberts, I must say. Promos or in ring. Um, what, what, do you, what are your, some of your memories of him? You know, just what you said. First, first off, again, reliving some of this. My first thought was, why did they give him this title? Yeah, you yeah. know, and 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 I guess you you we know that that titles are sometimes are used as a prop to kind of elevate people a little more, and and maybe that was just it in a nutshell because because Michael Hayes 
was and always will be so good on the mic. Mm. Terry Gordy was the, you know, for lack of a better term, he was the badass. He was the, yeah. he was the great wrestler. He had the skills. He had the size. And Buddy Roberts was just the bump taker. Yeah. I mean, he was really the bump. He was, he was the bump taker. And so I guess this title elevates him a little bit. Uh, and then he's matched up against Ken Massey. So I guess we both know who's going to win the match. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I, I think with titles, it's an interesting one because I think you you want the title to remain elevated. So so titles titles do peak and trough a bit. Like the TNT title in uh, AEW, the kind of number two title, a bit like their Intercontinental title, if you like. There was a period of time where that was like quite hot. But then, they, then you get it on the wrong guy at the wrong time and it's like, it falls off a cliff. And this TV title was pushed quite heavily on, on tele- well, obviously on television. But um, yeah, I'm not sure. I think that the storyline is that he's number one contender to the universal title, but he won't go there because he's in the Freebird. So it's like, that's the storyline device. But you're almost giving away one of your key plots by having him as the champion i think if you've got a if you're if your top title is a heel i think you're underneath one perhaps you'd be a baby face and you're, you're telling a slightly different story that way um ross said hello to all the great fans in kansas city watching on a sunday night which is a bit of a departure from you know saturday lunch times as most of the places got this uh, plus those in seattle and portland so clearly their syndication network was pretty strong at this point. Um, Taylor again came off. I, I've written this in my notes. This is foreshadowing. Basically, I've written in my notes, Taylor would come off as someone that your daughter would trample all over. Um, so I said that. I've written that already again. I've already said that. Roberts, as we thought, won this one with a Bulldog in 2-44. Not much on this, really. What did you think of this opener? Yeah, it was what you expected. You, you knew uh, you knew Buddy was going to win this pr- pretty easily. And uh, that's kind of what we got. Yeah, absolutely. Back from break, we saw four ladies in the front row with a great selection of 80s haircuts and they gave the camera a nice wave. Ross then updated us on Savannah Jack's babyface turn, albeit he obviously didn't use those terms. Taylor said that when Jack was knocked down, too many notches he stuck up for himself. And Ross said he gained their respect as far as that part was concerned. But he said this rather begrudgingly. I'm not much sure what he's got to do other than stand up to Skandar Akbar to get uh, Ross's respect here. Um, We then got a recap of last week's match and the turn. Um, Backstage in front of a new UWF television set, Ross was stood with the one-man gang and Skandar Akbar. Ross asked why Jack was dismissed. Akbar said... He has said time and time again that he is the greatest mind in wrestling and he has unlimited wealth. Everyone in his stable is positioned to fulfill and Jack failed and no one does that to him. And Ross said that there were many things that Akbar said in the ring that people found disrespectful. Akbar said he didn't care and that Jack has made his bed and he has to lie in it. Uh, and when this is all over, Jack will be shining his shoes. What did you make of this backstage segment here? Yeah, so so Skandar Akbar was was always one of my favorite managers and and uh you know his his uh, army so to speak was you know w- w- was always respected one of the things that we're going to see and 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 this is a good example i don't remember savannah jack being a heel so i so i missed this part of, mm. of history I, you know so i i'd never i'd forgotten he was with akbar at any point but but i think one of the things kind of foreshadowing what we're going to see is Every, you know, there's a lot of baby faces fighting baby faces and heels fighting heels. And you, there's a lot of blurred lines uh, yes. upcoming in these episodes. And, and, uh, but, but you always will cheer against Agbar's army, whoever's yeah. in Agbar's army. That's a really good point because there's some, there's, I can't remember which episode it is, but there's a, there's a real heel versus heel thing 
And you think, are they going to make one go babyface? And then they, they really don't. They go the other way, actually. But we'll, we won't give that away just yet. Um, yeah. So they then recap the country whipping match. And Taylor said he was used to the forearm blows and the slams. But the lashes hurt days later. Poor old Terry. And he can still feel it now. Um, long recap then followed an interview with DiBiase. He said that the bad blood with the Freebirds goes back a long way. He said he's had his head busted open numerous occasions. His back has been covered with welts numerous times when they couldn't get him down. They couldn't get him to stay down. He said now Hayes is something very dear to him. He said he, said he doesn't have brothers watching over his back, of his shoulder, I should say, but he's always had Maggie. Yes, the black glove that always appeared when he needed it. And DiBiase said he was going to get it back. He called the, the glove's called Maggie. Did you know that? What did you think I had about that? Forgotten. But look, and our viewers, I, I apologize. I will send, the, I'll put a picture on your Twitter. Look at this. Ah. We've got uh, a cool picture of DiBiase wearing a glove, a black glove, me and DiBiase, and an autograph of DiBiase. That's incredible. Is that a I'll worn glove, that one? Uh, maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a worn Maggie. So there's more than one Maggie, isn't there? There's there's many Maggies, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, crikey. See, Maggie, for me, um, we, Maggie Thatcher was the, not when I was born, but you, I do probably remember the name Maggie Thatcher was like Prime Minister sure. here in the late 80s, 90s. A very divisive figure. figure. Um, I'm not going to go into the politics element of that. But when I hear Maggie, I think I just think of her automatically. So yeah, what a name for, I wonder, did, was his mother called Maggie or something? Where, do you know where that came from? <laughs> That is a very good question. And yeah. I think that's a great uh, Twitter question for the fans is wh where did he come up with this Maggie? Yeah, that's, that's, I might tweet that out. I might even copy him into that and see if I can get a response from uh, Mr. DVRC. Yeah. Uh, Fantastic's then cut a promo with the tag title belts. Um, these are weird, these promos. So we've got a few of these throughout the shows that we're going to look at. Um, now, what I think these are is where they're running these syndicated shows in, in areas that they're not running live events. They have these. So they're not, so they, they're kind of filling, but they've got the space to put these in, you know, in and out of breaks. So they're not really pushing anything other than the storyline. So they, I never think these are that good. Um, this was just fine again, but just didn't really set the world on fire. Do you have anything to add on this, this fantastic promo here? Yeah, I, I know exactly what you're saying. Um, I, I think, Again, reliving my time, it was all one of the coolest things about watching wrestling back then was seeing the localized promos. Yeah. And, and to hear about the matches coming, even if you think about it, even on Superstation, even though I, I was never able to go to the Omni, hearing them, you know, go through the list of matches at the yeah. Omni and, and hear the, the promos for those matches. I always thought that was super, super, super cool. Because you know it's happening. You know it's out there. And you might be a magazine months later. Well, I remember yep. that because then that was that, basically. But this wasn't connected. They were kind of talking about feuds, but it wasn't, you know, May the 14th, we're going to be fighting in this place. It wasn't that. So, yeah, I, these are, I think these are all a bit... I've, I've continued to recap them, but I think they're all a bit skippable, really. Um, after the break, um, Jeff Rates, who had definitely been enjoying some Titan Sports protein shakes... Uh, was along mm. with Jumping Joe Savaldi. He looks absolutely ginormous, didn't he? Absolutely huge. Um, versus Devastation Incorporated's One Man Gang and Leroy Brown. Um, Taylor said when the tour walked, when the two walked by, he thought the ground shook. Albeit, I've messed that up so badly. <laughs> Let's start that again. Taylor said when the two walked by, he thought the ground shook. Albeit, it may have been his imagination. And I just thought, come on, again, really, Terry. 
yeah, this is this sort of, that sort of comedy is not going to get people liking you. Um, I suspect you'll be hot, shocked to hear that some of the moves in this one were a little iffy. Rates look completely out of his depth and actually appear to kick out of the three count pin after an elbow drop from Brown in one minute and fifty nine seconds. Uh, what did you think of this? First off, this is it would be this is where Phil is missed dearly. Yes, because he's such a great historian, and uh, and I'm not. I, I'm I'm horrible with, with some of that. But but I want to say this, Jeff Rates goes on to become someone I, I i want that that name is is striking me and, and uh but uh you know it, it's it's one of those matches that uh I, I guess if you want to call it a squash match and and we kind of getting away from the uh traditional squash ma- squash matches now that we're not in the studio we see a little more competitive action uh but this is this is one that you kind of knew from the beginning who was going to win who's going to lose yeah, I'm not sure about rates, actually. Um, I've got alter egos, Rattler McNasty, Rattlesnake rates. I, I don't know. Um, and he passed away in 2000, 2002. Um, so I can't, yeah, I'm not I'm not sure what happened, what became of him, um, unfortunately. The, the name just really jumped at me. And 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 he, he, like you said, he definitely was using the protein shakes. He, he wasn't, he didn't have the look. <laughs> He didn't have the look of, of, of someone that was going to lose. In a no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Uh, next up, we got, sorry, back from break. Taylor was gone. You know what? Sorry, I haven't said this. I'm, 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 I'm tested negative now, but I'm still suffering a little bit of the ill effects of COVID, actually, round two of COVID. So, wow. um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I can feel my voice going in and out during this. So apologies if you hear any little coughing and splutterings or slightly nasal, more nasal voice than normal for the listeners here for me today. But, yeah, this is probably the most I've spoken in the last few days. But round two was not as bad. Have you, have you managed to swerve it all together so far? Have you had it at all? Bit of a personal uh, uh, question uh, uh, on air. I've been, I've been pretty, no, I've been pr- pretty clear. The, the irony is when I had it way back in the beginning, <coughs> my wife and I never, you know, never uh, uh, split, whatever mm. you want to call it. Uh, and she didn't get it. Wow. And okay. Then within the last year, she got it. We never isolated from one another and I didn't get it from her. Wow. So it, there's no rhyme or reason. So my, my wife this week has had like, well, all we've had really this week is like a bad cold. It's not been that bad, but she's had the same as me, like coughing and sputtering. She's tested negative every day. And I had a negative test within three days this time. Just like, I don't, I don't know. It just doesn't make any sense really, does it? So there we go. Hopefully it'll be a long time before round three hits me, which I'm sure it will at some point. Uh, so back from break, Taylor was gone and Michael Hayes was there, um, which is a much bigger, you know, a great improvement really. Um, he said Roberts was great and every father would like a son like him. And next up, we got a feature with Jim Ross and Bill Actor. And Ross held up the Wrestling Inquirer paper um, with the front page headlining headline saying UWF and PWI announced plan to co-sponsor a tournament with a subheading wrestling federation and magazine will offer 50,000 prize to the winner. Do you remember this wrestling inquirer paper? I presume this is part of the actor group. So I don't think I've ever heard of this before. No, I, I, I don't. Um, you know, I was always a fan of Bill Apter because of the, his magazines, you mm. know, pro wrestling illustrated inside wrestling. And, and I had subscriptions to three. And so, uh, so and and to this day, I've had a chance to meet Bill Apter, one of the nicest guys in the entire business. Uh, but uh, but I was a fan of Bill Apter, so it was kind of cool when, when, when if he would pop up on your TV because it yeah. was really like wow, this is big time. Uh, but just real quick to go back, I'm just looking at a couple of my notes prior to this. 
they show Michael Hayes rubbing his chest and it is the most eerie, bizarre, weird looking thing <laughs> ever. So uh, that's why I talking uh, about Roberts, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah viewer, viewer beware. Uh, and then the other thing, he comments on the Freebirds music being different. I, again, the curiosity hits me on what happened uh, because back then, I guess they were probably using uh, some kind of cassette. Yeah, uh, and they, they, they did a sorry, sorry, they, they did a version of Boys Are Back in Town. And I wonder if they got a challenge from Thin Lizzy's record company or something, right? Right, yeah. so something something happened because they had a little bit of an issue with uh, with the music, so yes, uh, anyway, yeah, uh, but was back, a, to, back to Ross and after, apologize. No, no, it's fine. There was a, there was a really funny, we were only just, I managed to release the episode uh, today actually while we're recording, but there was an episode a few weeks back, and I've, I've the, the the last UWF review that's out today. There's a link to the YouTube link, but the footage the the, the footage on YouTube is is some weird. It's almost like someone's found some tapes in a TV studio of like the rough cut of the of the of the event. So you've yeah. got no no interviews, and in the break per se, you've still got stuff going on, and you've got Jim Ross kind of. There's there's a bit in it, and I couldn't quite work out what Jim. But Jim Ross is talking about something smelling, and then he's talking about him and Eddie Gilbert having. Um, He's talking about Eddie Gilbert and Missy Hart having kids. And it's all, it's not on the show. It's like in this, and there's, I've seen a few other weird things on YouTube yeah, yeah. with him and Hayes. I'm probably sure you've seen as well, but it's worth watching the Terry yeah. Gordy um, and Dr. Death Steve Williams match because there's loads of weird stuff in it. So they do a headlock spot like you get on like a SmackDown or Raw now when they go to break, they don't do much because it's not picture in picture. It's AEW's picture in picture. He just puts a headlock on or lies down on him for literally like three minutes. And right. then Jim Ross, oh, now we're back. So it's like they, they taped it in real time. So it's so strange. Um, yeah. But back to this, Abta and Ross were backstage and Abta was holding a nice silver cup. Uh, Bill said that the UWF and PWI were going to be tag partners for the single elimination tournament. And Abta said it would start on Halloween night and end on December the 12th when the final would take place in Houston. He, re he reiterated the prize fund and Ross said that big names in the wrestling world wanted to be part of this tournament. And I have to say that Chris Adams, the one man gang and Terry Taylor had already signed up and dozens more were waiting in the wings. Um, before we get onto the computerized rankings, I, I thought this was really good. And this, uh, this felt big time. Like you said, Abta was a well-known name. Uh, what did you think of this partnership and this announcement, the way this was done? The, the only thing that disappointed me with it was uh, they talked about these big names going to be participating in this tournament, <laughs> and they mentioned three names who we just watched on TV. Yeah, they're all just so, UWF guys, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Right, right. I, I think it would have been a little more special if, you know, uh, throw in a Wahoo McDaniel or, you know, a Tully Blanchard, or, you know, somebody mm. outside of, of the TV that we're currently watching. I think it it boosted it up because surely they brought one, one or two of those guys in. Well, I guess I they know. just had yeah. known that. I don't know. Perhaps I'll have, I'll have trying to have a look, look at that, look at look that up. But yeah, I don't know what they do because it doesn't feel like the Crockett Cup at this point. Where they it was you know mo, um, you know a multi promoter show basically. But yeah, I don't, I don't know where they went with that. Um, next up, we got the computerized rankings update with U 2s New Year's Day playing in the background. Are you a fan of U two, Terry? I'm you, sorry. Are you a fan of U two? Because they had that yes. their song at the New Year's Day from Crockett. Is that New Year's Day the album? I can't remember. It's the one one before Joshua Tree, sure. isn't it? I'm I think. Sure. Yeah. Are you a fan of those guys? You can say no. You can say yes no, or in between. No, I, I actually have had the pleasure of not seeing them in an actual concert, but seeing them perform before a Saints game in the Superdome. So I really? have seen them live. Yes. Very yes. cool. 
Uh, yeah, that was on. It was the third track on their 1983 album War, and was released um, as the album's lead sing, single in January 1983. Crikey, I forget that you two were around very early 80s, weren't they? I saw them oh, yeah. years and years. Actually, I've seen them twice. Years and years and years ago in London, uh, they're pretty good. But I've kind of fallen off the U2 boat in recent years, really. Um, they, I think that there was that thing they, they did where they forced everyone with an iphone to have their album or something do you remember that <laughs> yes i had it <laughs> yes like i think i think my wife still got it on her phone so i can't get rid of this i'm sure, sure there's a way but yeah yeah i'm not sure that was a good marketing plot i think that was a bit of negative publicity after that um so the top five in this were duggan one man gang dibiossi williams then in the, you know the way they always did the tv champion was number one in this and the champion was separate um what did you think of the way they did this or anything to add on these sort of rankings did you like this or did you think I thought it was cool. Uh, I, again, going back to the magazines and the after mags, and that's probably where they got this idea was they always had the rankings and the after mags. And I remember always being, you know, being compelled to, to find that and look at the, the rankings of the different uh, promotions and then the overall rankings. Again, I guess the biggest Debbie Downer to the whole thing is you see all of these great stars in the top 10 and then you see Buddy Roberts, number one, you know, it's just yeah, like, yeah. you know, there's no way he's number one. Yeah. So would you like to hear um, the first round brackets for the UWF PWI tournament? Because I've got them in front of me. Absolutely. Let's okay. do it. <clears throat> so the first match, quite a star study first match was Steve Williams and Sting. We then had Jim Duggan and uh, Michael Hayes, Buddy Roberts versus Iceman King Parsons, Terry Taylor versus Nature Boy Buddy Landell, the Angel of Death, who we'll see debuting either, ne either next week or the week after versus Chavo Guerrero, Savannah Jack versus Jack Victory, John Tatum versus Eddie Gilbert, and the One Man Gang versus Jeff Gaylord. So no outside wrestlers at all okay. in this. Yeah, so um, yeah, bit bit of a disappointing lineup, I think it's probably fair to say there. Well, just just because you you when you interject Bill after, you kind of expect a you know something else, uh, yeah. you know so, someone outside of promotion. Uh, obviously, great tournament. I'm sure it was it was it was engaging. It's just you know if you're gonna bring Bill after in, let's get one guy from outside to to make it seem even bigger. Yeah, I really wonder what the political situation was because we're we're really close now. I mean, what what I can't remember what the date was. This is the end of October. This is the end of October show, wasn't it? I mean, th this yeah. promotion is only what's owned for another what five months, five six months is because the sales of April. Although there are UW, you know, UWF um, banner programming for the rest of 1987, but I wonder whether the relationship with Crockett. I, I wonder what it was like because I know they didn't get on massively well, even though they cross promoted shows. So I wonder whether there was a potentially um, you know some discussions around that time. But 86 is a funny time for Jim Crockett. I, I think that the, the, the downswing in business, lots of dusty finishes. We've talked about that on air when we've seen, you know, Dusty and Ric Flair and, you know, the number of times they must have wheeled out that finish around the country and like business was on the turn. And in fact, 86 wasn't an amazing year for WWF either. Um, they were a bit down after WrestleMania 2. So it wasn't like it was everything was rosy everywhere and wrestling around that time. I mean, it wasn't really until 87 that the WWF came back up again with Hogan and Andre really was the, as the driver for WrestleMania 3. I will say uh, in, in 86 was kind of a unique time for me because I was actually in the army mm. and I was stationed in uh, Fort Campbell, Kentucky. And so I would go see uh, that, that Memphis promotion yeah. uh, at Nashville. And so I guess I missed the fact that everybody else was having a downturn and I was getting to see some pretty good wrestling, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, 
for a local promotion. And, and it's kind of neat because because we'll be we'll be talking about a lot of these guys, you know, Buddy Landell and people like that um, in wrestling in that in that Nashville promotion. It was really some good some good wrestling. It, it really was. Yeah. Uh, so so I kind of missed that other stuff. And I was I was lucky to be you know watching some good stuff at the time. Yeah, I mean, I think I think my downswing might be perhaps that's overstating it because I think I think WF was certainly still doing good business, but it wasn't at the level that it had been for like you know Piper and Hogan and their first kind of MTV run, really, I suppose. Um, and then they would. They, I think I, I read something the other day which which actually quite surprised me that '89 was their biggest ever, like up to that point, not you know of the of that era. That actually '89 was WF's by far their biggest year. So that was the that was really driven by Hogan and Savage at WrestleMania Five, and then their house show run thereafter. So that showed how big that. You know, that was uh-huh. was by the time it switched to warrior in 1990 this is something that i can never really get my head around that that match for me being really young i, I started watching WWE just after that wrestlemania warrior and hogan felt like two like superheroes going up against them and you think this must be the biggest thing that wrestling's ever done it was actually yeah. it i think it drew not quite more than half but it wasn't far off you know, it was a significant drop from WrestleMania five. It just didn't connect. And you think like, yeah. I don't, it's, it's weird thinking about it, isn't it? You think like hindsight, that match is much, you know, in, in history, that match feels bigger than it actually was at the time. People just didn't like it. But I don't know why. Can you remember? Yeah. I mean, we're way off on a tangent, but can you remember that at all? Was that in your, you know, remember Warrior and Hogan at all? Was that in your kind of sphere at that time? Or was that, you know, not, not really of interest to you when that happened? Not, not really. Uh, Partly, probably because I, I, I'm a college student there at the time, yeah. and uh, and and uh, and thinking about a whole other spectrum of things. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then the other thing is, you, you know, in I would I wanted to say, you know, when when you know 87, 88, I was still pissed watching people like DiBiase. You know, a, as much credit as he gets for that Million Dollar Man character, I was pissed. I didn't want to see I can feel this that, yeah, cartoon yeah. character. Yep. I like the dude with the black glove. I, you know, I like the blood and guts, you know. So so now I've got Hacksaw Duggan and DiBiase. These guys were having these bloodbath matches, you know, a couple years ago. Now they these cartoon characters, the junkyard dog. So at that time, I think I was still so pissed off at at the WWE or WWF for taking these guys from us that I wasn't very, very engaged in it yet again. No, I can I completely see that. I remember a lot of people at the back end of 2019 were talking, uh, sorry, back end of 2018 were talking about Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks potentially going to WWE. And I was like, I don't want that. I really don't want that because I think they'll be, they won't be you. Like, I've got all these memories of, the, of, you know, like, you know, New Japan Ring of Honor. This is the people that I really, really like and, you know, a bit of a revolution in wrestling, et cetera. And I really didn't want them to go. And I think if they had gone at that point, I'd have had the same thing you you felt with DBS. It's like, this is not the DBS that I grew to love this is their version of it and they're not going to do you know what i think they should have done with him really or, or whatever and, and dbs had a good run there but he was never champion was he and i bet that's probably galling as well that they never you know the baby face promotion never never put it on him did they so no no and 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 th- think about just the guys that we've got we're watching now i mean you know we mentioned dbs we mentioned duggan the one-man gang for christ's sake in a couple of years he's going to be hakeem yeah, the yeah. African dream. Yeah. You know, we all know what happens to Terry Taylor in, in becoming the Red Rooster. You, you know, it, it's just it, it, it you took I mean, it does not get more blood and guts 
than than this that we're watching right now in UWF. Mm. And then in a couple of years, and and you know, God bless those guys. They ended up making making out well from it. But but uh but for as fans, it was just like, ugh, no, 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 no. no. Just to clarify my numbers, because saying it was nearly nearly half a drop between the WrestleMania was a was a bit of an exaggeration. So WrestleMania five did 767,000 on pay-per-view. And we must remember that back then. Pay, that pay-per-view wasn't a thing that was really easy in everybody's home. So you, this this would have been, you know, going to your local cable company and getting a getting a special box or that sort of thing. So it was much more difficult than you know pressing a button that we have to do now. Uh, and WrestleMania six decreased to five hundred fifty thousand. So what two hundred seventeen thousand de- decrease for that? You know, what I would have considered to be a dream match. But obviously, Hogan and Savage was, was a really big deal. Um, back to UWF. So Gustavo Mendoza versus Ice Banking passes was next. Hayes said on commentary that it was great that the UWF was a really organized organization. Plus, viewers could bring their kids to the show and they'd be guaranteed some, some top quality candy. What was it? What was this? Was there a story around this time about kids getting the shits or something from, from candy at an event? Like what was going on here? Because they pushed this really hard. What was what's the story here in 1986? You, you know, there was a time. Uh, and again, it, maybe this was coincides with it, where I guess maybe at somewhere in the United States that someone's candy either got poisoned or they put something in the Halloween candy. So there was a big fear of children trick-or-treating. And then when you did, the, your parents would have to look through your candy to make sure oh. everything was okay. So so maybe that's something along this timeline yeah. here. Well, as in, like, I, I hope this is not turning into a you know dark alleyway here. But were, the kid, were kids hurt by this, or was it just that? I, I think it was more of an urban legend. Right. Um, okay. I, I, I've read something where you know that that Halloween fear that we had about candy. It was really like some bizarre uncle or some sick family member who poisoned. Mm a family member's candy, and then it just kind of spread oh, like I this see. Was a, a, a real thing. God, so I think this, it was an isolated incident. Right, because they were, they, were, they were pushing this really hard. It's like, yeah, come to the UWF show, and we won't make, we won't give, give your kids sweets and give them the shits, basically. Which I was like, <laughs> cranky. I mean, that's fair, fair play. I did have the shits once at a wrestling event. It wasn't good fun. Wembley Arena. What was it? Wembley Arena 2006 for Raw taping. I managed to... Where, now you probably heard of Wembley Stadium, haven't you? I'd imagine. It's like the a famous football stadium here so Wembley Arena is like a little arena next to it and they refurbished it and it just by pure chance the Rio I'm not I don't know why I'm telling this story but I've started so I'll finish by pure chance the opening event at the new Wembley Arena which is like 10,000 seats it was Raw taping a Monday Night Raw in London and I managed to block one of the toilets there the night it opened so yeah that's, uh, whether that gets on my gravestone or blocked a toilet at Wembley Arena's reopening so yeah not that I, I am I am proud to say at 55 years old, I've never experienced that yet. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully it'll at least wait until I'm on uh, wearing Depends or some kind of adult mm. diaper that uh, we, we, we face that. Unfortunately, I've got the constitution of like a 105 year old already, basically. <laughs> so, yeah, actually, it's not. I've got I've got I've got some horrible, horrible things that help me out now these days. But, yeah, it's not the best. Uh, back to this show, Crikey, how did we get there? Iceman won with a rear, a rear to the chest, then a splash in one minute, 35 seconds. Uh, fair to say um, the in-ring on the show this week wasn't up to much so far. What did you make of Iceman and Mendoza here? 
I, I just was think, thinking about with Iceman with the stereotypes. Iceman was really over, and I remember he, him being fun to watch and and uh, watching him in uh, World Class, and then him coming over to UWF. But but you know the the stereotypes. You know people point these things out more now than than ever. But but it was like the the African American athletes. It was the headbutt or some kind of booty bump. Yeah, it, yeah. It, you know, really kind of stereotypical, but but you know, Iceman was over, uh, he, you know, and uh, he, he always had the crowd hopping. He he wasn't not close to junkyard dogs level, but he was very, very over a uh, black superstar there, yeah. And I think you know, um, a, 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 a kind of mid card or someone you can maybe get into an you know, upper mid card or even you know, push push for a main event here and there. But the, the crowd like that's that's a, that's a pretty good resource to have in terms of someone. I think especially these days, a baby face is such a difficult thing. If you ever get if a wrestling company now ever gets a baby face that the crowd really is behind, you've got to protect that so hard. I'm sure you I'm sure the CM Punk stuff's come into your, you know, in recent weeks. That's probably probably had some developments on that by the time or may have had some developments on that by the time this is out. But he was a babyface that people cheered and, and between various situations that was hurt and the crowd sort of starting to turn on him but before all the mess happened brian danielson's another one daniel bryan in wwe that he was it was was the crowd loved it and they turned him just for one program it's like don't do that just let a babyface be a babyface and if the crowd's starting to turn on them that's when you turn them you just got to protect in 2022 you've got to protect that babyface so much and the same in 86 if you've got someone the crowd are into you've got to, you've got to protect that because it is important whether it's you know early in the card middle of the card or top of the card you, you've got to go with it and give them some you know some upward momentum i think at certain points um next up we got chris adams backstage and adams talks about the controversy with the world title he said he couldn't make a meet in los angeles and had to give it up uh, this is the world-class World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, he went on to talk about the UWF being the number one promotion in the world and how Terry Gordy was the world champion and how he'd go anywhere for that goal. I thought this was pretty good from Adams. He's clearly better at this point than he had been in some of the stuff I'd seen um, from him earlier on. What did you think of this? Yeah, I, I always had had Chris Adams, and you're going to find this funny, I, I would assume, in, in Terry Taylor's kind of class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I see that, yeah. They were very, very similar. They were, they would, I guess the term people use is a, a white meat baby face, mm. just, just baby face, baby face, baby face, and and uh, you know either either you loved him or hated him, you know. But uh, but but the girls, the, the girls always loved him. Yeah, yes. I suspect he he uh, probably did a right for himself with his looks and also that accent, which um, yeah, yeah, yep. I think goes down well. So there we go. Um, I don't, have you ever seen the film Love Actually? by any chance yes absolutely yeah, yeah one of my all-time the, favorites yeah it's such a good film the english guy that goes to that bar and it's just like it's so 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 good unfortunately i haven't had quite as good luck as that in my various trips <laughs> to america um right next up the fantastics have been in the uwf tag titles versus hollywood john tatum and jack victory who are accompanied by missy hyatt uh, missy had a lovely gold blouse on but paired with brown trousers and i wasn't sure about this uh this gold i wasn't sure about I've, I've messed up my notes here. Basically, I'm not sure about some of the color combinations here, but I would put this a solid six out of ten on the on the new Missy Hyatt fashionometer. Um, what did you think of Missy's outfit here? Did you, do you remember this one? I, I didn't remember it. I, I do know that she was it for me. I mean, she. Oh, was, really? Okay, yeah. Yeah. At, at the time, I mean, you know, I, I not so much Dark Journey. I never could understand the appeal with Dark Journey. 
but but Missy Hyatt was the best. Now looking back on it in hindsight, it's like, huh, you know. But but at the time, she was uh, she was the female to look at uh, in wrestling. I think some of the some of the fashions and the haircuts and stuff. It, it doesn't necessarily. I think 80, 80s is such an interesting time. Obviously, you, sorry, I shouldn't say obviously. You were slightly slight, very tiny bit older than me. Obviously, Terry, I don't want to give any, any actual numbers out. Obviously, you were slightly more, you know, slightly more advanced in what you were doing in the eighties than I was. But um, you know, eighties is a fun. I think eighties doesn't. If you look at, I think again, it, it all does. Like I see sometimes, I saw some. Um, Something in the, some ran during the pandemic. There was a thing. I'm sure that America's had this sort of shows as well. I'm trying to think of like spring break, spring break sort of shows, and like when they go out to nightclubs and you see people and that sort of stuff. Well, there was one. There was one that I found on YouTube. It was my local nightclub where I was growing up, and it was I think it was 2001. So it was it wasn't 90s, but it was kind of just after the 90s. And my one of my ex girlfriends was on it, and I was looking at what her and her friends. I knew all the people. I nearly spat my coffee out. When I was watching this, and I was like, all the all. The the fashion is awful and i think that is a big part of it isn't it like in terms of what they're what everyone's wearing and what the what the looks like it's like it just doesn't quite translate i suppose but missy's such good fun and i think she's really um in recent weeks she's really sort of nailed her act there was a great thing a number of weeks ago where she i think uh john tatum lost the match to somebody um and basically missy hyatt had to be uh dark jenny's like kind of helper for the day and she's yeah, like running yeah. the, the vacuum cleaner around it's so it's so good i recommend it going back and there is a review of that that's out and i think the, the the youtube link is in there so yeah that's such a good show um the fantastics in this one did their usual long entrance while hayes talked about how possession was nine tenths of the law related to dbs's sweaty old glove um, he didn't say that it was sweaty, uh, but given where DBS has stored this for a number of times, I'm not sure this is something I would necessarily want. Obviously, you've got it in your collection, but it's, it's, it's protected by glass. So hopefully yes. that, there's no whiffs coming out of that glass. Um, higher in such a sneering and brilliant way, chanted, they're going to be mine about the tag title belts a few times, which was just great. Um, Ross said, if time permits, they would bring us the UWF title match between Gordy and Jim Duggan. Ross said that he could hear Missy whining all the way from where he was. Um, this match went through a commercial break in 4.52. Tatum dropped a knee directly onto Fulton's jewels at 6 minutes 30, but the useless referee did nothing about it. Gilbert came to ringside at eight minutes with flowers for Missy, and she looked delighted with this gift. Uh, it then looked like Eddie was going to lead her away, but Hyatt seemed a little bit torn. Tatum saw what was happening and eventually went over to Hyatt and tried to hit Gilbert, but then was rolled up by Rogers in nine minutes and 19 seconds. Um, there's some good actions in, in this, and I quite like the finish. Um, Missy went to leave with Gilbert until Tatum went up. Tatum went after them. Eddie got in the ring with Missy, and then Tatum decked him and went after Hyatt aggressively until Sting and Steiner made the save. Um, this got a reasonably positive reaction from the crowd. Um, Tatum got hot-shotted by Gilbert, and then Steiner and Sting held Tatum up and Tatum up and Missy, after a slight hesitation, drilled him twice with a loaded Gucci bag. And Tatum was busted open in this situation. And um, loads going on here. I thought this whole thing was pretty good, actually. Uh, what did you think of the match in the aftermath here? Yeah, I, th I thought it was good, too. Uh, and this is where I, I guess referred to earlier, where the lines are going to start getting blurred with who yeah. the baby faces are, who the heels are. We're going to see a lot of these in the next couple of weeks. Uh, I, I, I don't know if you guys and some of our listeners do this, but uh, I, I'm, I'm always I've always been intrigued by by the blading stuff. And uh, and so I'm always noticing when when someone's going to the wristband to get the blade mm -hmm. out. And, and so, you know, this was a, an instance where 
I guess I saw um, I saw Tatum uh, going going for the wristband, and uh, so I, I knew blood was coming. You, you know, it's kind of th- th- those guys. I guess as 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 we start getting more cameras in the ring and and more coverage of the match, these guys are starting to get exposed a little more because yes. it's, it, it's hard to get that blade out without somebody noticing. It really is, and I think that um, it's so interesting sometimes with watching wrestling that um the camera the, the, the shots are so good now that you can if something if someone hits someone with something that's a bit too light or it doesn't work or there's a botch you really can see it can't you there's, there's a promotion a japanese late uh, women's promotion that i watch a lot of with stardom um, and a lot of their so that every single show of theirs is taped in some form or fashion but all their smaller shows and there's no hard camera so you've got two cameras kind of underneath the bottom rope uh, you know i've two sides of the ring so everything is you know, close as close can be. So, and their work is so good that it's, there's no holes in virtual work. You're like, if there's ever going to be holes in something, this is you're going to see it here. There's obviously some of this stuff with the slightly de- degraded tapes and stuff, but you can still see it with these three or four camera shots, can't you? You can see the old thing and look, you know what to look out for, don't you? So, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, but I thought this was, I thought this, this was good fun. And as, as you mentioned, this is the continuation of this angle between them and the kind of teasers, you know, who as a viewer are we supposed to be trying to back here, really? Right, right. So with 70 seconds left on the show, they announced the start of the UWF title match. Ross said that next week, Gilbert and Tatum would get it on one-on-one. And Ross said they didn't have much time, but next week they would bring us the outcome of the heavyweight champion of the universe match. And that's it. Um, I prefer I prefer the use of this device with them telling us that we get the outcome next week. But nonetheless, this is something that they, they use too often for me. And funny enough, Lars Fredrickson from Rancid was on an interview a, couple, a week or so ago with um, Rene Paquette. And he talked about when he was growing up watching UWF. And the thing that he remembered so much was they always went off the air while the thing was still going on. So obviously that's, that's really, whereas I remember from WWF, they very rarely did this. I can only maybe think of one or two like wrestling challenges and probably a bit later, like maybe mid nineties when you would use this. That wasn't something that Vince really did. Um, anyway, Terry, what did you think of this close and what are your final thoughts on this October 25th, 1986 episode of the Universal Wrestling Federation? Uh, excuse me while I cough here. <clears throat> had something about the, uh, no worries uh but uh yeah so I, I think we've talked about this in the past um and i know bill watts uh even talks about this in in some of his interviews it it made sense that the show would go off mid-match in many cases because if it's unscripted if you don't know how the finish is how could it possibly end at the perfect time Yes, you know, so yeah. so that was one thing with with those with those endings, and then the other thing was, we all know that they were trying to get you to buy a ticket and and go to the arena, you know, because it's like like you say, as you watching this match, you want to see the 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 baby face get revenge on that bad guy in every match or win the match, and well, here we are, we the the biggest match of the day, and we just got we just got cut off. Yeah, so I think it was it was it was twofold. So I, I, you know, I, I didn't mind it too much, but it, it did, it did make me want to go to the arenas. Uh, as far as the show itself, this is the first one I've watched in a few weeks, uh, and so, again, you know, some of my guys like DiBiase and and uh, and Terry Gordy and and One Man Gang and and even uh, Leroy Brown. It was kind of fun watching them again. Uh, those yeah. are some of my favorites. It was, it was good watching those guys again. Yeah, definitely. 
bizarrely, someone's just pulled up outside or uh, near to my house with a broken windscreen wiper, which I, I think is an awful, must be an awful thing because you can't really, you're a bit, bit screwed with that if you're driving where it's going to run. I think it is forecast to be raining this afternoon as well. So I'm glad that's not me. So <laughs> that's the, the last tangent this. We've had everything from bad stomach uh, uh, wrestling to broken windscreen wipers in the show. That's what you get on Mid-South Moment. So Terry, any final words before we get on out of here for this first first of three shows? No, it's uh, fun to be back with you and uh, fun to chat and looking forward to the next episode. See what yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much for listening, everyone, and we shall speak to you again very soon. Hello, everybody. I am Ricky Morton of the Rock and Roll Express. And if you would like to purchase some merchandise from World's number one Mid-South Wrestling Podcast, check it out, all the products. That's on redbubble.com. People, Mid-South Moments. They have everything from T-shirts, phone cases, mugs. Remember now, redbubble.com. People, Mid-South Moments. Thanks very much, Ricky. And that link again is redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash Mid-South Moments.